Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in, the moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymile.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, we have Adam Nee, writer of The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Adam shares stories of shooting in the jungle, how their team collected the star-studded cast, and discusses with Tony how it truly is about the journey, not the destination. You won't want to miss The Lost City coming to theaters March 25th. Anthony has a new book coming out, Unstuck, a life manual on how to be more creative, overcome your obstacles, and get shit done. Check out anthonymindel.com unstuck to sign up for updates, promotions, and enter to win a free signed book. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In The Moment Podcast. And that's really what it's about, being in the moment, failures, falling apart, what the moment brings, which is beauty and weirdness and vulnerability and creation. What a perfect way to segue into the introduction to my guest, who is all those things and a believer in creating in the moment. One of my favorite people in the world. I kind of have a man crush on him. He's known this for years. Welcome, Adam Nee. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Tony. Um, Thanks for being here. This is the best introduction I've ever received. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use some of those keywords on my tombstone. I'm just making some notes for, for after I perish. Those can go on, on there and they'll just go wow. forever and ever in perpetuity. Yeah. Exactly. Talk about being in the moment just when you're in the earth. There's nothing, there's nothing to look forward to. That's right. Do you think about death a lot? I don't actually. I don't. You know, I, I think I did a lot more when I was younger. I think I did a lot more and, and, but I wasn't really afraid of it. I think that as you get older, you obviously, you start going, Oh yeah, I probably am going to die actually. And so you stop thinking about it. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, probably I'm not invincible. I always thought I was potentially invincible. It's true. It's so weird. Cause we're the only species that we know of that is consciously aware of the fact that we're going to die. And yet we spend so much time avoiding and denying that we're going to die. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. It's amazing how, how, how little a part of the, the conversation or, or planning or everything it is. It's so interesting how we the denial of death, but um, maybe that's just a biological thing that helps us to, to do things and have ambition and, you know, get on all that with stuff. It. Yeah. And get on yeah. with it instead of just sitting and staring out the window and going, maybe today's the day. <laughs> exactly. Contemplating the yeah. existentialness of it all. Although, you know, I don't know, sometimes I always feel like it's sort of our denialism is compounded by living in Hollywood because Adam lives in Hollywood here, and as do I. Um, I remember reading, you know, Amanda Plummer, the, yeah. the actress who's been around forever. And Chris, yeah, Chris Plummer's daughter, right? Oh, you know, I didn't know that 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 was her daughter, his daughter. Yeah. But she was in, you know, her big- On Pulp Fiction and stuff? Yeah, her big breakthrough was Pulp Fiction. So, wow, I didn't know that was her da his daughter. Yeah. Uh, but she, you know, she came of age as a New York theater person. And when she was living here in LA, maybe she still lives here, but I think she was always New York based, but she always found it interesting because she, she always felt like LA was the epicenter or Hollywood was the epicenter of people so scared to die mm. that it made that that was what was interesting about the business, not in a healthy way necessarily, but yeah. she found that to be a very interesting, um, like the denialism in Hollywood of death was something that she could never get her head around. Well, Hollywood like categorically rejects aging. It's like that's the most crazy exactly. thing in the world. I mean, what, you're like 75 years old and you look like 32. <laughs> People don't, what are you, you're eight, you're almost 80. Exactly. Um, <laughs> people don't age here. It's crazy. And it's, I think it's one of those things where I talk to people about living in LA and how like, I love it here. And, and, and there's like, I live in a, in a neighborhood where it's easy to not feel like you're in Hollywood and there's nice little hikes and cool little mom and pop restaurants and stuff, but still this like influence that happens where you just, I think, start to normalize pretty weird behavior and also just like 
always looking good. Uh, it's such a strange thing that we like embrace subconsciously even. Yeah. I mean, well, there's also artificial, you know, help with that sort of thing. I've had so good. much cosmetic surgery. I've had, so, yeah. I, I mean, just like endlessly. My ears have been done a thousand Pulled times. Back. Yeah. yeah, I get them pulled that's why back. You wear, that's why you wear hats all the time. Exactly. They're holding them down. You know, I got them enlarged when that was a fad. And now I feel now I got them reduced and I'm holding them back. There's so much work to do on the ears. Speaking of terror, I mean, I don't know if that was what we're talking about, but I just had this moment because I mean, I, I zoom a lot of my podcasts, but I usually have my whole big microphone set up here. And for some reason, I'm going with this central earbud piece. I'm hoping this is going to work. I think it will. It's going to sound amazing. Okay. I've got a real microphone. Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound great. Because yeah. it's so weird because I bought a really nice microphone setup and all my guests have had the luxury of speaking into that, but not you, Adam. So, no. <laughs> so this doesn't work. If this is just a conversation, it'll be nice that we get to talk. Adam has finished this wonderful movie that he's going to tell you about. I had the great pleasure of seeing before the rest of society has seen it that's right and it's coming out in march but by the time this airs it will probably have been released but this is a big breakthrough for you and i'm so happy for your success because it's so much deserved and tell us a little bit about it the name of it and and the journey of it adam yeah so my brother aaron and i are a writing director yeah we shouldn't team. leave him out i'm always yeah. like adam 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 yeah. Yeah, Aaron just doesn't get invited to things. No. Um, it's called The Lost City, and it stars Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum um, with amazing uh, supporting turns from Daniel Radcliffe, Dave Enjoy, Randolph, Patty Harrison, and uh, Brad Pitt. Name and, dropping. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, it's an indie. Um, yeah, you know, we exactly. Just, we just got some friends together, rented an Airbnb, and shot over a weekend, and just wanted to see what came out of it. You know, two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. It Love was two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, non union, um, <laughs> and uh, everyone was just uh, taking deferred payments. <laughs> you know, so the movie is is really a it's it's a funny thing to talk about because I don't like to talk about it like it's a a, a throwback or anything like that but it definitely pays homage to like a kind of movies that that I grew up on yeah yeah um so in the same in like an Indiana Jones or Romancing the Stone or just a big adventure movie with a new irreverent spin on it so it's a it's a comedy it's about a woman who has this background in archaeological stuff but she she sort of sold out and started writing romance novels and that's where her success has lied and she's hitting this point of life where she just feels like she doesn't really have any more story to write um, she doesn't have any more chapters in, in the book of her her life and that's when she of course is whisked along on an adventure because this uh, eccentric billionaire played by Dana Radcliffe recognizes a clue in one of her books to finding this ancient treasure. And so she's whisked away. And uh, the only person who is uh, going to go and try to save her is her cover model, uh, played by Channing Tatum, who wants very much to be seen as the hero in her books, even though he's just kind of like a sweet, pretty boy. Um, and so then hilarity ensues. And we have this big, sprawling jungle adventure. Adventure romp. romp. Adventure romp. romp it's a romper. romp. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's and it's like you know it's funny, it's funny to talk about it. It'll be really interesting that that this will come out after the movie because we're still so inside of it. You know, like we're oh, still yeah. editing. We're oh, still wow. uh -huh. you know we're still these things go up right to the finish line. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because there are these like little elements that are still evolving. I'm actually very excited for you to see it because Tony, you saw a um, a very early cut of the movie and a lot has a lot has progressed. It's. It's, I'm really excited about it because I feel like it's a, I always like movies that stretch a genre where it's doesn't fit neatly into any genre. So it's not like a rom-com because it's quite a bit more adventurous than your typical rom-com, a lot more action and much bigger comedy, I think. But then unlike a straight up comedy, it has heart and it gets into some deeper stuff and, um, takes your hand and kind of leads you into some more emotional moments. So it's, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm very curious to see how audiences react to it on a, on a broad level. Yeah. We're, we're excited. I think you bring up a good point because it is all the more hats off to you guys for creating something that's an interesting hybrid or something that's not so genre specific because we're living in an industry that's becoming more and more 
the only way is to fit within a niche that works for, you know, yeah. the companies. And it's really sort of, I was just talking to an actor this morning and like, God bless Marvel movies, I guess, or, or those kind of franchise movies. But I think it's what it's doing to the film industry that a lot of people don't always track is that it's really squeezing out a lot of innovation. Like I'm dwelling more in the independent, smaller film world, right? As you know, yeah. Adam. And like, I have this movie that I've been trying to get made for quite a long time and we're very close. It's been really exciting and it's very small, but we were, I was talking yesterday uh, to the producer who, had pitched it to this company that's a small really small independent production company but it's fascinating that their mandate is kind of following what the big studios are dealing with right like it's more franchisable something that's action adventure something that's in a wheelhouse they can reproduce and i was like whoa this is like so sad in a way that that companies that used to be more into independent storytelling are also now trying to like measure up with you know, what's popular or what's translatable in terms of finance, right? Oh, I think, yeah, everyone is just trying to figure out how to survive in yeah. this climate because the theatrical model is dying a little bit and we are, you know, we're testing that in a big way. It's, 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 it's bold and it's scary because, you know, obviously we're in a moment right now talking when we are where COVID is spiking and, you know, you mm. hope that it calms down by late spring, but yeah, it's, it's really like, I, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time because theatrical was suffering to begin with. And, um, and now it's like, it's Marvel and those types of things are the, and Star Wars and, and big genre things, some horror that are the ones that people will actually go see. Mm. And so I think these small companies if they're not just making a movie for Netflix where it has little niches built in, they're just scrambling to try to figure out how to monetize movies because it's very, very challenging. And there are so many movies being made. There's so much content, but how do you get eyeballs on it? And mm -hmm. everyone I feel like is looking for the easiest solution there and that's why i think genre helps so much well i think you're going to be in great shape because besides it you and your brother are doing an incredible job and it being really funny and sweet and romantic and idealistic in a way right like mm -hmm. it does harken back to a more innocent time which is what i loved about it and as adam knows because i would stalk him on instagram telling him i'll be like when i found out he was like loosely doing a remake of romance in the stone it's not but like like that was maybe the inspiration i was like i'll do anything i'll i'll be your page boy i don't even know what a page boy is it sounds so creepy and weird but like i'll be your coffee person and please let me come you never responded by the way but that, that's okay I, look i don't i apologize Tony. i don't remember <laughs> no, getting this i don't oh, remember really? getting this message but if you had offered to be a page boy i might have just been you would confused have you would have <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, um, Tony, I love you, but not that way. Yeah, no, because I was such a you? huge fan of that genre, just like you, a genre, I don't want to call it a genre, but those stories. And anyway, so I had high expectations. So I didn't tell you that, but because I love you anyway, regardless, but I really did enjoy it. And I guess my point is, is also, I think you have such an incredible cast besides the fact that you guys executed it in, in such an original way, but you have such a great cast. It's, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to jinx it. It's going to do well. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. You. I have a friend who just produced uh, Sandra Bullock's other movie that's not out, out on Netflix right now, The Unforgiven. Yeah, yeah, Unforgivable. Yeah. 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 I went to the premiere. I should know the name of it. The Unforgiven. And, you know, it's number two on Netflix. Like, I mean, again, I know all these metrics. What do they mean in the big scheme of things? However, you know, she's like an America sweetheart, isn't she? Yes. Plus People... Channing Tatum. Plus e Brad Pitt. Like, <laughs> How did you assemble such a, like, that cast? And Daniel Radcliffe, who I told you I love in the movie. You know me. We, Aaron and I have been working in the indie world for so long. And um, we, like, when we made Band of Robbers, our last film, which is a small movie, we really, like, struggled to get agents to share it with actors to do. Mm. We couldn't get anyone to pay attention or help. Nobody. It's so challenging. So this was a very, very different experience where when, when Sandra Bullock is a producer and the star of the movie, she just, it just changes everything. Um, and you get the people that you want. It's, it, I mean, cause the script was really fun and good. It was kind of a funny thing. So I, when we took the project, um, it was, it was actually Ryan Reynolds and Sandy um, attached oh, uh -huh. and 
because of scheduling, we would have had to push the movie for Ryan to make it work. And we just all felt like we love him. He's fantastic, but we didn't want to wait. We wanted to go make this movie and Channing Tatum came up and we were just like, this is, this part was written for Channing. I mean, this is, this is, yeah, he was, is yeah. perfect. Yeah, he was so great. Yeah. And we had one meeting with him and we were just like, I cannot even imagine Ryan Reynolds doing this movie. I, God love him. He's awesome. But I couldn't imagine it anymore after talking to Channing. It was just like, this is, it's meant for him. And so that was just kind of a, a very fortunate thing because you can have a moment like that where Aaron and I have been on big movies before where you have these things where like an actor's going to do it and then a scheduling thing or something. And it's a death nail. Like the project just falls apart. But Channing came in and it just became, it just suddenly had like the momentum. And the, the, the next shoe to drop was probably the crazy one was Brad Pitt. And that was Sandy had done um, a cameo in Bullet Train, uh, this movie that David Leach directed. And so she did a cameo and they share a hair person, this woman, Janine, who is fantastic and actually did the hair on our movie. And so they're in the, makeup hair trailer for bullet train and janine is like kind of working it for brad where she's like if you did because sandy's like pitching the idea not thinking brad's gonna do this but pitching the idea of this character uh, and janine's that. like how would you do your hair brad how would we do your hair for it and so getting him to be kind of like oh you know i want that would be funny if i did this or that and then like it starts to become this conversation and basically Three days later, we're on a Zoom with Brad Pitt and he's like, you know, I love Sandy. She has great taste. If she likes you guys, I like you. Like, so, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do? And, you know, it's just like surreal. surreal. So surreal. And it was really like, because of the timing, this crazy timing of her doing this cameo on his movie, Mm. the hair, her hair person, like brokering this deal for us basically and then him just having this window where he could come and work for a week on the movie um, that is really incredible it's always hair and makeup right because people sit in those chairs yep. they become confessionals right they, they run sets yeah, yeah they that's really right. never underestimate the power you don't ever want to piss off your hair and makeup person no no right? they, yeah i mean they're a very big influence on the that's set that's amazing I yeah that. so i don't i had not heard that story that's incredible and then it did. And then you guys shot during COVID. So, right. Cause you shot, God, when was it now? Last. It, we finished in August. So we, we, we shot from May, yeah. Yeah, May, May through August. And it in, was um, in Costa Rica. Where was it again? In Dominican Republic. In Dominican Republic. Which is an incredible place. So beautiful. The Dominican people just were in, just amazing. And they worked so hard on the film. And uh, so like half our crew is probably Dominican. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And, um, and, and it was a really, really uh, wonderful experience. The, the challenge obviously was that they're a growing film community, you know, and we were the biggest movie that had ever been there. And so we were like stretching the community for sure, because of the size of the movie we had at one point, 700 people working um, at one point on the movie when we were really big. So it was definitely stretching the film community there, but it was exciting to see because I think that, I mean, this movie is going to kind of hopefully really open up that world there even more where just movies are going to start going there a lot because it's just so beautiful and the people are wonderful. But, um, But shooting it in COVID in the jungle was incredibly taxing. We... You know, we were doing, there's a sequence in the movie where there's the, the, this very foggy jungle sequence and we're in the real jungle and we're creating fog and fogging up an entire jungle area. So we have these huge fans and huge fog machines and you're just blowing this stuff and it smells terrible, but you're also because of COVID we're wearing N95s and it's 110 degrees in the jungle in the summer of the Dominican Republic. And it was so so depleting that we had to have an IV station because people were passing out. Like it was so that it was a hard movie to make. We did this thing where um, the first, uh, we had this kind of wild plan. Our our first AD, uh, Charlie and Dean and our line producer, JJ Hook really worked with us to come up with this game plan where we knew we're doing this movie going into hurricane season. And that we could potentially start getting, it rains there almost every day. And then we could get really crazy storms coming in. And that's, you know, you lose days. You don't want a lost in La Mancha situation. So 
we came up with this game plan where we're like, we're going to do all the craziest, hardest outdoor stuff first. So you're basically just like, we're going to start making a Werner Herzog movie. Like we're pushing a boat over the mountain. And so our first three days were day one was Channing and Sandy in a real jungle stream that we had to hike down into. And like the crew had to hike stuff in. We brought in pieces of a crane that you put together in the jungle. It was, this is day one. Day two, we had Channing totally naked for this scene with leeches that you, that, that is previewed in the trailer. Yeah, everybody's like, um, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very, is the most beautiful butt. I can yeah, tell exactly. And then day three, we were on the ledge of a waterfall where we had to build, we had to build a, um, this pontoon to cross this little, body of water to get to the ledge of the waterfall so you'd put like 30 crew on it and pull it with ropes across the water to the ledge and then on the ledge you can only have like 12 people and it took so long to pontoon across and then hike out that mm. that um if someone had to go to the bathroom it would be like 30 minutes so no one went to the bathroom we're just like holding these movie stars on this ledge and not letting them leave and that's like the first three days and then we're like okay we got through that so now for the next four days, we're going into the open ocean. We're going to take a 45-minute boat ride to an ocean cave and shoot from boat to boat for four days. It was crazy. We, after, after that, our stills photographer, this woman, Kimberly French, who's truly amazing, she was like, I shot The Revenant, and this is harder than The Revenant. <laughs> we're like, we're making a comedy. It's harder than The Revenant. Oh, oh my, my God. God. It was we had That's this one, crazy. we had this one day out at, out at sea where my brother and I and our DP and AD and Daniel Radcliffe and um, I think Oscar Nunez and Dave I and Joy Randolph were all on this Navy boat. And we're just shooting like a splinter unit because you can't put very many people in the boat. But we can't break for lunch because this boat has to be out in the water. We can't go dock. We don't have anything. So a little fishing boat is bringing us coolers and trying to rope up waters and lunches to us. And we're thinking like, oh, this is this is so hard for us while everybody else is like docking on this beautiful island that they found to have lunch. But what they didn't uh, know is that the tide was going out. And so they docked and got on this, they, they got on this island to have their lunches and the water started going out. And they were like, we got to get back on the boats. We can't get to the boats. So they start walking. They take their shoes off. They start walking through the water back to the boats, not realizing it's a coral reef. And so these people are like getting cut to hell. Like it's like a horror movie where it was just supposed to be this beautiful, like nice thing the producers were doing for the crew, but they're walking through razor blades to try to get on their boats that are floating away. It was, it was so. Adam, this is like Adam and Aaron knees, lost city of D making of apocalypse now, basically <laughs> like you need to document that, you know, heart of darkness, <laughs> making of the apocalypse. Now that is hilarious. It was crazy. I mean, not, but like, were you, and so this was your first weekend. Were you freaking out a little bit or were you like, okay, it's going to be okay. Or were you, did you have moments of like, what the F am I doing? No, because it, the, I had one moment that it was, everything was looking so great. We were mm. capturing it and at the head of the studio at the time was, was like, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it. So we okay. were like, knew we were in the pocket, okay. but, That's hilarious. but the, um, the first freak out I had was on the water. It wasn't a freak out. It was just like, a, it was one of those situations where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do here, which I think people don't talk about it, but I, that does happen when you're making a movie as a director, everyone pretends you always know what to do, but things happen and you go, I have no idea how to solve this. And we were, we were out on the ocean and we have a shot, like really like the first half of the day is planned to where Sandy and Channing are going to just actually be floating in the water. And so we have divers who will like be near with flotation devices, but they're just going to be treading water in the ocean. And we're out there before them and they're on a cast boat and we're looking down and we see in the water are just thousands of jellyfish, just like thousands of jellyfish. And so we're just like, I mean, what do you do? You can't put them in with the jellyfish. Like that's a nightmare if our actors are getting stung so, yeah. by jellyfish. <laughs> so we're, we're like just trying to, they're like on a boat headed over and we're just trying to figure out what do we do? And we had this, uh, this Marine guy who was a local there and he was so awesome. His name was Bo Sanchez. And he was just like, he kind of was going around in the sea dude looking at him and he was like, well, these guys don't sting. These aren't stinging jellyfish. And we're like, are you sure about that? And he's like, yeah, they won't sting them. And we're like, you're positive about that. And he's like, yeah, you're good. 
And so they come out and Sandy and Channing, like they were so game in this movie, just so down for Try the cause. Yeah, yeah. We're like, there's thousands of jellyfish in the water. Bo says they won't sting you. How do you feel? And they're like, all right. And they got in and we shot and it was fine. Oh it, my God. It was definitely one of those moments where we were you like- had a moment of like- Like, oh, we, we aren't ready. We overextended. We're not uh-huh. ready. We weren't ready for this day and we can't make up the day. And it was intense. It was crazy. The other time, I think another time where it felt like I'm not sure what to do was we had Brad Pitt for scheduled him for four days and it's Brad Pitt. So you, you get four days, you get four days. That's the deal. Mm, Um, Mm -hmm. And he came in and he had the most, we were squeezing so much out of that time. And it was Mm. the most complicated stuff in the movie. Um, A lot of action, a lot of crazy stuff. And we're shooting the first day goes incredibly. We do this explode. We end the day with an explosion, which is like, everything is amazing. We're like, the gods are smiling on us days two through four. It rained all day. And so we're shooting in like pockets when you're just like seeing little sprinkles, you're like, okay, go, go, go. go. He wouldn't leave set. He was so great. He wouldn't leave set. He just hang around. Cause he knew like when it was time, it was time. But that was, that was another moment where we were kind of sitting around there. I have this very vivid memory of being in this tent we're sitting around with the crew. It's just dumping rain. We have him for like two more hours and he's just sitting there like just because like staying on set with us because he knows we got to go and got to go and feeling like this sequence that we worked so hard on we're, is not going to be in the movie. We're not going to be able to do it because we just don't have it. And he was like, I'll stay tomorrow. I'll stay an extra day. And he stayed an extra day for us and shot a whole other day to make it happen. It was so he was so wonderful. But it was one of those moments where we're like, we're going to have to cut half the sequence. We don't have it, which was heartbreaking because we have this guy in our movie doing this amazing role. It was really such a good environment and such amazing people. Um, and he's such a great guy that it, it really helped to that. I think there was just good vibes. And it was like, look, guys, come on, let's get it. Let's finish it. And it wasn't, it wasn't because you had already shot the ending of that sequence and it was dry and the, you could not, because a lot of, I, I think I remember when watching the movie, there were rain scenes, right? Like we expect it to rain in the jungle. So was it something that the yeah, continuity of it wouldn't have worked? Yeah, he's basically going, you know, from tent to tent in this fight scene. Right. And we had shot tent one, all sunshine. Ah, and now it was got pouring it. rain. And uh-huh. so we just couldn't fake it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Um, but we pulled it off. I mean, we got we got everything. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job. Listen, I always feel like filmmaking, creating is like life itself, right? Like it's a distillation of all the shit that comes up in life that we have to endure and overcome and the obstacles we have to face, but it's just distilled in 30 days or 60 days or 10 days, whatever your shooting schedule is. Right. It's yeah. like life. Right. But it's like, we're constantly being thrown, thrown a curveball. but also I think always remembering that you're going to get through it and that it always kind of works out. It always kind of comes together in some weird way. Yeah. Right? I mean, you probably are finding that in the editing process because you're saying you're still tweaking it. So different things present themselves. So like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, that's the beautiful right? thing about, yeah, even just the different phases of filmmaking. Where- well, they, they say, right? There's the script you write, then there's the script you shoot, and then there's the script that is the final edit, right? And those yeah. are three different animals. Three very different animals. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a fascinating thing how it just, you're, yeah, we're kind of in that final rewrite where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know what? we can make this scene way funnier too because of ADR. And if we just shoot this one little insert or things like that, where it's, it's such a, it's such a great medium where you're just kind of molding the clay and continuing to refine it. And well, obviously you have a great editor, right? Cause I think like a key of it is having just a great editor. I can't remember who I was talking to. We were talking about a big project and that, that like the editor was saying, this person knows this editor 
and like 90% of this performance was built in the editing room and the performance is amazing. Oh, I remember, I can't say who it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing because when you think about it, everybody's gonna be like, what is it? But when you look at this movie and the movie was so well received, but uh, I guess the story behind it was, it took as long for the editor to, this was a couple of years ago, but to build that actor's performance as it did to like, make the entire movie it was a very long editing process yes so fascinating right it's like, amazing yeah we have an amazing editor craig alpert done a lot he, he came from like judd apatow world and david gordon green like he did pineapple express and oh right uh, -huh. uh he's really he's really great and just really um is so collaborative with us but you know we're fortunate that we have like the cast is is very good and and just you do like it's a funny thing where you're like oh i understand why these people are movie stars i just enjoy watching them do things like yeah. it's amazing it's amazing i could watch everyone in this show like do anything i mean you're talking about dana radcliffe and he's one of those guys that you just he's just perfect every time it was i've not i've never worked with an actor like that where it's just he just does sit it's excellent every take is excellent and you're just kind of like well which excellent take should we choose the whole cast was like that where they're all very different and all work in very different ways. But it was like in the first couple of weeks, Aaron and I were kind of looking at each other just being like, it's crazy to have Sandra Bullock in your movie. She, cause she's just so interesting to watch and so charming and just makes choices where you're like, Oh, that's better. That's great. You know, it's. But Adam, you were also in class for a long time too. And you see that, right? She's at some level, the core of what she does is who she is, right? Like Brad Pitt is, even though he's playing this swashbuckling hero, maybe he's not a swashbuckler, but whatever, like he is like a hero in your movie. Like it's still being generated from Brad Pittism, you know? And I think that's the thing that we have to keep remembering that personality is to me, personality can't be taught. I think that's where acting class is a misfire, but we can learn how to like access more of the essence of who we are and bring that to the forefront. That's all acting is. Like I find like any celebrities that I work with, what I enjoy about them again is, oh, this is their persona, right? And when it fits a role, it fits the role. Well, this is what I love about your um, studio is the highlighting like it's just it's bringing yourself to it and that is like that is it because that's the only unique thing about a person that is that they yeah, are the only right. person that's, that's your right. actually your superpower that's is right. that, that is it. and so if Channing Tatum was showing up on set trying to act like Brad Pitt it wouldn't be very interesting but when Channing Tatum is being Channing well, that Tatum, might be but might no, be. I'm just kidding might be because it's Channing but, Tatum yeah, yeah, yeah. pretending to be Brad Pitt yeah but no go but ahead Chan, but like Chan, like Channing what's like he is he has the energy and beauty of a young boy while also having the strength and masculinity of a grown Hercules man. yeah he had this like combination of things that is just like very unique to him that I could see an actor who maybe if they weren't as secure being like, oh, I don't want to seem so boyish. Uh, I don't want to seem silly. I don't want to, but he like what his real strength. And I think people will see in the movie is that he just taps into that. He lets it, that come out, that part of himself come out in this character. And that's when things are really firing. I think for an actor is when they are turning up or down these parts of themselves for the role. That's right. Um, it's just really bringing yourself to the role. That's what I loved about your, your studio is, is well, we, how much you highlight that. Well, we talk about, as you know, because we talked about it a lot in class, but also I can't ever express enough how difficult that is though too, right? Like to me, the real challenges of acting are how do we integrate and use all that in the moment and to be in intimacy or, and when I mean intimacy, it could be a huge fight scene or a big conflict scene or a sexual scene or whatever it is that brings up our resistance or our fear around exposing ourselves. It's hard, it's just really hard. Just think about life, how hard it is sometimes to be all of who we are in certain situations. So acting is just a microcosm of that. And it's hard, as I get older too, I see like, oh, sort of like cliches are not, that's a terrible word for them because these philosophies or platitudes actually are true. Like the simplicity of things I'm finding as I get older make, maybe that's what the journey's about is you 
make things so much more complex than they are. And then as you mm. evolve, you come back to this center place of like, oh, this is really emotional for me. It's how simple everything is, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. Right? Like it is the core of, and I also think this is why things are so effed up in a way in the world, or maybe they've always been, I don't know, I didn't live in the 1500s or, you know, 800 BC, but what, what gets us out of the flow of the ease of life is us working against that integration, I think. Uh, That's what's creating a cultural or a social breakdown. Yeah, I think that's really, really insightful. It's funny that you talk about that as you get older, how things get so simple. It's really interesting. It's like that. It's kind of like when people sort of speak to you in cliches when you're young and you sort of roll your eyes. Yeah, you roll your eyes. There's a reason why they're cliches because it is just very, some things really are like quite simple if you can have an objective view and, and not be, you know, an emotional tornado in the middle of it and, that's or right. over analytical or whatever the thing may be. But that's also yeah. trusting, you know, that's also all these actors that you're talking about, they, they're seasoned, right? They've been in the business for a long time. And I think, again, they all rely on the simplicity of trusting who they are. You know, and maybe, maybe you working with I'm not saying that there weren't moments where you didn't get the actor to trust themselves more or yeah, Sandy, go with that. Or, you know, Brad, yes, more of what you're doing or whatever, because actors are in the inside. They don't, they're not seeing, they shouldn't be seeing themselves. So that's what we have a coach, a director, a facilitator, a mentor, somebody helping encourage them do more of that. But that's the thing. Like, I think longevity in a career is based on, the trust of oneself, which is inherently also hard because again, I don't think we are taught what that really means. It's hard to trust ourselves because we're constantly being given programming to be this way or do it that way. Or, you know, I think what's great about having you as a guest, like any of my guests is everybody's way into the business and achievement or success or happiness or whatever it is, is, is you're creating your own method, Adam, you are doing it your way, you know, I'm doing it my way and somebody else is doing it theirs. And we don't have to compare and despair because you're on, that's your evolutionary process. And I, but I don't, that's not what the media portrays. The media portrays have a life like Brad Pitt and you will be so happy or have this kind of life and you're going to get everything you want. That's why it's replicated, but it's not, it's impossible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you hit on a lot of things. There. I mean, I, I think it, the, the point about like the sort of like your, your way into this world, my way into this world, like it's kind of maybe the, the most um, nebulous thing of the business mm. is, is that there is truly no way, no way. except your way, except your way. Yeah. And, and if you compare yourself to people, like, I mean, I, I would have quit a long time ago because I just turned 40 and I've been trying to do this since I was 17 years old mm. and we just got our first big movie, you know, like it's, or we just for, got made our first big movie. You know, we've gone through the heartbreak of getting one and getting things dying. close. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so like I, yeah, I mean, you know, I was completely broke at 34, you know, like it's, it's You're like last year. Yeah. What's last year. Like, I mean, I, I truly like it is, it's, it's just a, a weird and, and winding road that you, if you have joy in what you do, then it's a no brainer. Just do that thing that brings you joy. If you, if you can live with that cliche, of course, if it's, it's the journey, not the destination, like it's so true because I'll tell you like doing a, uh, this movie has been such a gift and we're so endlessly grateful, but it has not made life easier or, or, or better. Oh, um, yes, Adam, I'm so glad we, I wanted to talk about it. Can I just interject? Because I think yeah. it's so important. Again, see how we poo-poo the cliche of it, right? But the, it, it's so, it is journeying. That's all we're on. And, you yeah. know, I have, a, I have a new book and I'm not using this as an opportunity to plug my new book because it hasn't come out yet, but I have a new book coming out next year. And yeah. it's all about, it's kind of like my version of the art of war, which I really love, Stephen Pressfield's book. That's Did an you amazing that book? book. Yeah, you read yeah, that yeah. book. But, but it's about journeying because I was so, um, I read this book this uh, during the pandemic called uh, Kindred, and it's all about our Neanderthal 
cousins and forefathers and foremothers and the journeying aspect, right? And one of the things that struck me when reading that book, I was like, oh my God, partly because I did my 23andMe and I have more Neanderthal in me than most people, which is really kind of weird. So I'm really drawn to- No, I definitely can see that. Oh, that I'm Neanderthal? Yeah. Okay. I love it. Is that how you pronounce it? Is Neanderthal? Neanderthal. Yes. It's not Thal? No, it's Thal. But you know, because you have so much in you. Because I'm a Neanderthal. Yes. <laughs> and you know, when you hear these Fox Neanderthal News pundits, pride. <laughs> when these, when these Fox News pundits, I, I heard someone say like a year ago, something like, that's so Neanderthal. I was like, first of all, that's not how you pronounce it. Fox News. <laughs> Secondly, Neanderthals were actually quite creative and sophisticated. They had a very uh, complex uh, social organization. They were, uh, I think, probably as aware as human beings are. I yeah. mean, you know, human beings destroyed them. So I don't know what that says of our race. But my, my point about this is, to me, I, I would often imagine myself at that time, and I was like, whoa, to have a concept of destination wasn't even part of their understanding, even early, you know, homo sapiens, like it was all journeying and it was all based on seasons and migratory patterns yeah. and the constant patterning kept human being, the nomadic aspect of who yeah. we are as people is ingrained in us, is a part of our DNA. But again, in our modern culture, and why I want to get back and hear you speak about this, is we think once we've made X, you've just made a huge movie that is like, like the Holy Grail. Look, I'm getting goosebumps, right? You have all these huge stars in it. It's, is it a Sony movie? It's going to be a no, Sony? No, it's a Paramount. Paramount movie. Like that is like the that's a paramount moment, you know what I mean? And yet you're like, okay, what's next? And so we live for these finish lines and we don't realize like it's part of the cumulative journey. And yes. I think that's where we get depressed, where we get really stuck, where we get, um, I, I think the messaging is incorrect. Yeah. But tell me about, because I mean, obviously this is changing your life, but then you also, and it's such an achievement. Oh, Adam, you know, I cry a lot with you because I just have always felt so connected to you. I'm so proud of you. I really, <laughs> I just, I've always respected you. And like, Adam's so humble. He's also is an incredibly talented actor. I wish you would have put yourself in a cameo in that damn movie. Because <laughs> I, I am, I am. Wait, did I miss it? I'm one of the cops. Wait, when, when? That's right. It's wait, probably going to be cut out of the movie anyway. Wait, when, so when, it's when, per, you saw a seven-hour version oh, of the no, movie. Oh, no, 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 no. That's right. Uh, uh, who comes investigates the kidnapping. Yes, yes, I actually did not want to be in this movie. I said, I'm not going to be in the movie. But Sandy Bullock said, you have you to, do to do it. And, oh and not because I'm great, but because I was cheap. And they didn't have to fly another actor to the DR. And so she was like, you have to do it. And I was like, if Sandra Bullock is forcing me to be an actor, how can you say no to that? This is, you know. Adam, anyway. this was your opportunity to be, I could have been your page boy. You could have been like, I'll do it. If my coach, I'm going to fly my coach here. That's and true. Anthony Mindel is going to give me a little. I'm sorry I missed this page boy <laughs> offer. Uh, uh, I really... missed this. Oh, okay. um, oh, that's so... right. Sorry that you were not forgettable in your cameo moment. <laughs> Okay. You're an incredible it's like actor. I'm, I'm an extra. I'm an extra. You the, are. You are incredible. You are an incredible actor. But but okay. Continue on. I think that the lesson uh, of like the journey sort of lesson is one that I actually am very grateful that I have learned um, before this because. I spent so many years in squalor of being broke mm. and not struggling no one listening no one saying mm -hmm. you know people there were great people in my life who would say people like you who would say you're very talented you can do this um but no one saying that and paying me for it really right. you know and so you were paying me to say that thank you to say it. um i think like what you realize in those times when you're like well why am i not stopping this and I, it's because i just loved it like i would be up until I would write all day and keep writing into the night because I loved it and like um, you know put together lookbooks for pitches and all these things and come up with stuff and do any acting little thing I could not because like that short your friend short is going to help you blow up but because it's such a joy mm. and so I I think that struggling really helped me to not ever think about like that there was ever any finish line. And so even doing this movie, I think one of the things that 
that I'm so grateful for of, of having this, everything that led up to this moment is that Aaron and I never got, I don't think like high on our own supply or any big ego of like, oh, now we're hotshots. It was just like, this is the same work we've always been doing. For sure. Very confident in how we would do our work. And we treat people the same way we've treated people our entire lives. And like, it's just about the making it is the thing, whether it, I want it to do really well. I want people to like it. I want it to make money so I can keep doing this job, obviously. But that's a, that's a secondary thing. All the, the, the journey part of it is just ongoing and forever and the moment that you're in. And that's where the joy is. Well, I love that you, yes, it's great that you've learned those. Sometimes it's when we look back and we're like, oh, now I know why my quote unquote success didn't come earlier. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these lessons that we're gaining and learning because yeah, I think that that's, I sometimes think that too about my own journey, like how long things take and you know, not that, oh, we wouldn't have been able to handle our success at a young age. Cause it's easy to look back and, you know, judge ourselves for where we were, where we think we were. Yeah. But I don't know. It's like, we don't even know. Yeah. no, you don't know. Right. You could, that, that changes you as well. Whatever happened, uh, help me remember the name. It was, um, um, Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe, right? Yes. And so, it, so that's happening next, actually. So that is happening because I remember that kept kind of coming together and then not happening, right? And then yeah, that had some. That's like become yeah. a passion project because yeah. that was our big. That was like our really big the real thing. Of yeah, like, yeah. oh, we're gonna make this huge movie. That was for Sony at the time, and it went through so many stops and starts and finance issues and actor things and all this stuff. And then COVID just really, really halted it uh -huh. um that's when we were in berlin like we had stages we were going to make that movie and then oh it's wow okay yeah um and uh it's actually it's it's going now and i mean we'll when this airs we'll, yeah we'll see where i am but I, yeah. yeah i mean i'm supposed to as soon as we finish lost city i'm supposed to move to new mexico to shoot it but we've been, there's been prep work going ongoing we we've cast our main actor and we've cast just cast oh. another role and wow i love yeah. that yeah, so it's it's supposed to go in July. So obviously, even though this movie isn't out yet, different things have opened, doors have opened in different ways, right? But also seeing that there's challenges. Yes, I mean, it's, you know, at every stage, there's just kind of a new sort of challenge or political challenge or big decision challenge um, because you start, the stakes start feeling a little bit bigger, you know, where you mm. go, you can make a bigger mistake at this point. Mm. More money, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can, I think, I think also like if, if the, if the best happened in Lost City was a success, that's great. That, that, that in sort of Hollywood terms kind of buys you like a movie or two right. of people like listening to you. Right, but right, if right. those, that movie or two don't do well, or you choose poorly and make stuff that's not so great, then it's like, you're kind of out. <laughs> you have to get back in somehow. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I know it's very it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Which is also, I think another reason to continue to highlight and remember that like, we're all just so lucky to be here and to be operating in this, on this level and on any level and creating arts. And, you know, it's just, we're so privileged that this is happening. Um, so if we only do only get to make one or two, wow, what a crazy experience that very few people ever get to have. Um, but I hope we get to keep making more than that. I think it's going to work out. I really do. But it's interesting that you're, again, speaking the truth of like, it doesn't mean our problems go away or there aren't new challenges. You know, yeah. they also say that the, the maxim with Hollywood is like filmmakers want more money, but more money equals more problems. You know what I mean? Sure. Right. Oh, sure. I, I mean, we're going to go make masters, which is a, a twice as big of a budget. Oh, wow. And yeah. um, I have this longing to make something tiny. I yeah. really do. I think about it a lot. I think yeah. about like, okay, what could we squeeze in something really small? that's like, you know, five actors and two locations and um, just, just something that, uh, because that's the stuff where it feels, it's almost like being in class where it just feels intimate. It's just yeah. the work, yeah. just yeah. about the work. It's not about commercial success because when you make a big thing, everyone is thinking about commercial success. And that's what that's the studio for good reason is thinking about that because they've invested a lot of money. So a lot of notes and stuff are thinking about, okay, well, it's got to hit a broad audience. So let's make it appealing to a broad audience. 
Hmm. That isn't always, sometimes it is in service of the project, but it's not always. And so you will uh, long sometimes for those just spontaneous, intimate, artistic experiences that happen on a smaller level. Hmm. I love uh, that you say that, right? Challenges everywhere in a way. I, Jane Campion, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen her new movie. It's really no. beautiful and yeah, uh, Power of the Dog. But, you know, she was saying, she was asked about like, well, why doesn't she direct Marvel movies? And she said, first of all, she's like, why would I do that? And then she said, when directors like myself do do that, then there's no turning back. They don't ever come back to making smaller, more independent, intimate films. And I think it's kind of interesting that that that's kind of how she has tracked people who break into that. I think that you can. I think that I think David Lowry is a great example of a big one, small one kind of a director where he can go make Pete's Dragon and then uh, make Ghost Story with Rudy Mar eating a pie for 20 minutes. Oh yeah, um, I remember that movie. Or he'll go make- I didn't a, see it, but yeah. Yeah, or he'll make a big movie and then he'll make Green Knight with Dev Patel, which is like not small, but it is it is an art film. Yeah. And um, I think you can do it. Uh, my hope would be doing a sort of one for, one big one, one small one kind of a approach to, to making things. But I also, I always, I find that question so funny. I feel like everyone wants to like get art house filmmakers to say bad things about Marvel movies. It's such a funny thing where I, I do sort they of do, look at, don't they? Yeah. I, it's like, I feel like Marvel movies are, are like when Westerns became super popular for a while in Hollywood or like science fiction became super popular for a while or there was every fucking movie was a werewolf movie, you know, like Dracula, vampire. Dracula, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're just in a superhero phase. It's been a long phase. Yeah. But it will become something else. And the good thing is that it's actually keeping theaters alive because uh, we're really in an existential moment where theaters can just go away because they're not worth the money. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that Star Wars and Marvel is keeping those theaters open and we can mm -hmm. have this experience that there are going to be generations in the future that I don't think understand what going to movie theater is. Um, and that's pretty beautiful that they're keeping it going for a minute. Well, that's an interesting point. I do love that you say that. I never really thought about it that way. And yes, you're right. Like my niece, I, have a th I know you have nieces and nephews. I have a 13 year old niece. I mean, yes, she is. We went to the premiere of Cinderella last fall. Or wait, when was that? Jesus. All time has more for me. It wasn't last fall. It was just like a couple months ago. Oh, my God. But and because uh, I had a client who was in it, whatever. And, and you know, it was funny because I took her because it's her kind of movie. And we were walking around and, and Liv was like, oh, my God, all these famous people. And I, I was like, where? Where's Meryl Streep? You know, just joking. But I was like, where's like Where's Adam Nee? And yeah. she's like, no, Uncle Tony. And then she would point to somebody who was some TikTok star yeah. or some YouTuber. Yeah. Here I was thinking she was going to be like Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock. And she, it's all like some other platform. So it's, it's really interesting to. My you know. I have a brother who's 17 years younger than me. And um, I remember when he was a teenager and like talking to him about movie stuff. And he just kind of didn't really think about it he was like i would like to make stuff for youtube because he's very creative and he was oh, just talking about he just want to make stuff for youtube and the people he admired were youtube creators and i was just like wow this is just uh, this it's, this is important to know because this is the future <laughs> this is the future yes is he still do i don't think i've never i didn't know that about you had a younger brother that much younger is yeah. he still doing that kind of stuff or it's a lot of different things he's um he's he plays music he's a really good songwriter and he he He's gotten into like visual effects stuff. Um, my older, my younger brother, who's older than him, that my older brother taught how, how to do this stuff. His teaching is teaching him how to do this stuff, and so they're kind of he's working in that zone. I've he, I've also like been encouraging him lately to be like, what would you write? You know, like because he's very uh, funny and smart, and I'm like, uh -huh. what would you write? What would you do? I, I, like you could do what we're doing if you wanted to. That's a talented you know? family there, Adam. Uh, there's so many of us. <laughs> There's so many of us. You have like an Amish family, right? Like, isn't it like really big? And nine, like... nine children. Yeah. Are you yeah. Mormon? No, no. My parents are Protestant uh, Christian, but that does not preclude you from using birth control. They, they <laughs> just, uh, they just wanted a lot of kids. Wow. Yeah. We, they call it, uh, they, my younger siblings call it first family, second family, because a lot of them are 
are, you know, we were out of the house by the right time they before. were like in high school. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And are they all going to come to the premiere? It's a great question. I, yeah, I don't know what a premiere out. looks like in, in the, oh, in, in March. We'll see. You will see. We'll yeah. see. You're going to have one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, when you have these actors, I think people want to see them walk on red carpet. For sure. I mean, Adam, I could talk to you forever, but let's do that. Cause I just, I really love always talking with you, but let's do the speed round here. Okay. I do uh, feel like we, we kind of went full circle because we kind of started with, you were saying like, oh yeah, I just shot this little movie with just a couple good friends in my house in one location. And then we ended with kind of, that is the ideal. That is yes. the kind of what feeling that we are always going for. Yes. And I think it's important to distinguish too that there was not, making a big movie like this and working with these actors, it was not that it wasn't like that as well. They mm. were all they also like all of them wanted direction, took direction, wanted to be told and wanted to collaborate. It was not like, even though there was huge stars, everyone yeah. in this movie wanted to do the work like you would if we were making an indie. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you and I had talked about that. And I mean, that's always great to know that, you know, also a lot of famous actors sometimes don't get directed, right? Like, the, and so- I'm yes, sure Andy, was, Andy said that a lot. She Andy, was like, it's so nice to get direction because a lot of people just sort of stop doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes people are intimidated by a famous actor or scared or feel like the actor is kind of director proof and can do it themselves, but they're human beings, right? But yeah. I also just want to say real quick, it reminds me too, I often talk about like, you know, it doesn't really matter the level, it gets more play things, more money, more time or whatever. But I, what I love about telling stories is at any level, even if it's just you and I doing like a student film and one other actor, right? Like it's the same philosophy because we're all there like to try to tell the truth as best we know it. And, you know, it doesn't matter like whether you have 10,000 people on crew or just one person. Like I yeah. think sometimes when actors get overwhelmed with, oh my God, this is my first lead on a series or whatever. I was like, well, remember, just keep distilling it back to the basics, right? It's just like class or it's just like that student film you did where you were trying things and you're trying to tell the truth and be as honest as you can. And you're with a group of people who also are trying to do that. Yeah. You and your yeah. brother and the people you guys hired and all these other departments are all trying to tell the truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful- I agree. I couldn't agree more. Beautiful thing to not forget about. Um, okay. If you weren't an actor- or a director, or a writer, or a producer. <laughs> You're like a triple threat, a quadruple threat. What would you be? Uh, therapist. Oh, I could see that you'd be a good therapist. What's your favorite film of all time? Can't say your own movie. <laughs> Being John Malkovich. Oh, I love that movie. Love Spike Jones. What's something you can't do without? Coffee, it's so lame, but it's- No, it's not. Coffee is life. Who's your celebrity crush? Obviously, we know it's Channing Tatum, but choose again. It can be guy or girl. Oh, celebrity crush, guy or girl? Um, like, oh, maybe Tom Hanks. Oh, I love Tom Hanks. You know, one of my favorite- I don't want to kiss him, but I, no, I no, no. love to do a movie with him. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite movie moments is in um, ah, Captain Phillips. Oh, yeah. The very end. Oh, my God. I was on the floor sobbing every time I see it on the floor sobbing when he's rescued by the EMT worker. And that was brilliant. a real EMT, brilliant. Okay. Uh, advice for your younger self. Don't be resistant to learning. Oh yes, learning is important. You can always get better. You're not the best yet. Yeah. And when will we ever, what does that mean, right? Yeah. What's acting, uh, how would you describe acting in one word? Existing. What's something you learned from yours truly or being at the studio to not be um an emotionally defensive actor to be vulnerable you were never emotionally defensive you identified that i will lean into comedy oh yes to, um which i do um a lot to deflect to deflect from sometimes just going full out and letting you're it right yeah. you're right because when you would get emotionally vulnerable and not because you're you are super funny and real authentic comedy does come from those places, which I love, but always exploring more deeply, like when you would go to real vulnerable places. Like I remember that scene, um, 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 
I feel like it was one of those scenes that was the John C. Riley role. I feel like oh, uh, Magnolia. Yeah. And when you went to those awkward places, it was really stunning. Also, one of my favorite non-vulnerable moments is we've we've re uh, produced it a number of times because that's just one of my favorites. You and Rachel Morgan, husband and wife in the car, and then I had Mason get up and like be a deer, deer. that you guys ran over. I'm deer. Hilarious. All three of you guys. Oh, that so was brilliant. so, so fun. Funny. Oh my God. One of my favorites. Um, and last question. What's your definition of love? <laughs> I feel very strongly that love is an action, um, that it's not a feeling, and that love is unselfish and is is an act is something that we do not something that we feel love it so good adam it's so true <laughs> love is an action i always say my definition of love is just this moment right now oh that's good too that's i know not- and everybody's always like oh and i was like don't you guys listen to my fucking podcast because i always end with this so nobody's ever, wraps, ever- <laughs> present you wrap presence into it I, I'll tell you what I've done, Tony, for the past 14 months is nothing but work on this movie. I know. I, I know. I'm so excited. Your whole life. Your I know. Podcast. No, no. No, no. I'm just kidding you. You've always been a fan and I adore you. I really do. And I'm so proud of you. I really just really am. I love you so much. And I really appreciate you having me on and, uh, and just the opportunity to hang out. Of course. We'll have to do it in person. Tell the audience again, where can they find you? I'm sure you're going to blow up. Um, oh, you mean like on socials? Yeah, just so like, because oh, you know, Adam you on just, Instagram, I think is the way to do it. I, I don't really me, mess with yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um, you just posted the trailer. The trailer looks really good, by the way. Thanks. Having seen the movie, I'm like, great. It was really great. And the movie, Lost City of D, just say oh, when it's coming is, out. It's just the Lost City. Oh, now. sorry. That's right. D. Sorry. Lost it was City. originally the Lost City of D. Um, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe um, would try to convince us not to change the title. And we we're like, Daniel, this title is never going to stay. And he's like, you have to keep it. We're like, sorry, Daniel, to disappoint you, but it's going to become the Lost City. Um, it comes out March 25th, only in theaters yes, uh, across that. the world. Wow. And then will eventually, will you figure out the streaming component of that later? Or do you guys know where that will end up? They were, I, I think um, the game plan would be, you know, Paramount Plus would take it like in however many, whatever the window is, because, uh, you know, they're really building a streamer over there. Right. So, yeah. okay. But yeah. Well, so basically people will get their butts in the seats. You got to go to the theater to see yeah. the movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks, Adam. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job.